As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. Today's podcast is also presented in part by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks with quality products designed for racers by racers. Luke and I depend on Portatree for my own practice. Check them out at www.portatree.com. Big show on tap, Big Jed, is episode 102. Mm. It is a big show. Looking forward to this one. This one got a lot of good stuff in it, Luke. We've got JJ's top 10 for the month of October. We're going to sneak that in a little bit later in the show. That's our way of making you listen for at least the first 30, 40 minutes to get to the good stuff. We've got coverage of the World Series of Drag Racing. That's the SFG event that was originally going to be 350s, turned into 275 granders. We've got a preview of this coming weekend's NHRA Summit World Championship runoffs at Pomona. That's the eight-car runoffs in each of the four sportsman categories. But first, Big Jed. (laughs) We talked about this on the previous episode. We came into last weekend's NHRA Division 7 event at Las Vegas. That is the last divisional event of the season. We came in with none, zero, of the seven NHRA Sportsman Championships decided. As we head to Pomona, sands that division race in Las Vegas, we have six champions crowned. It does not get more dramatic than that and specifically it does not get more dramatic than the super stock chase which brings us this week's what everyone is talking about this week on what everyone is talking about all right luke what everyone is talking about and if they aren't then i don't know where they've been but they should be talking about 
Justin Lamb. I mean, this guy not only had a clutch performance, but, I mean, he did it facing a huge challenge within the race that could have made or broken his season, and I will let you tell him the rest. All right, Jed, we'll set the stage. Coming into the divisional event in Las Vegas, Justin Lamb was leading the Superstock points chase, followed closely by Brad Zaskowski. As we discussed on last week's show, there were a handful of other drivers still in the mix, at least mathematically eligible to win the 2018 Superstock Championship. But those two were one and two. The latter comes out. And I see immediately, wow, if Justin and, and Zasko each turn on two win lights, they're going to meet each other in round three with essentially the championship hanging in the balance. And that's exactly what happened. Justin Lamb turned on two win lights. Brad Zaskowski turned on two win lights. They meet in round three with everything on the line for the whole season. Essentially, it's never quite that cut and dry. You know, like you have one winner and one loser. If Lamb wins that round, it's almost over. Like, it's essentially a technicality. I believe Jimmy DeFrank, Pete Perry, Tyler Bohannon would have still had a chance had Justin defeated Brad Zaskowski and then lost in round four. If Zaskowski wins on the flip side, he was like a round and a half behind Justin. So if he wins that matchup, he has to then go win the fourth round to surpass Justin and take the lead and likely hold on. Again, at that point, you would have had a handful of others with a shot had Zaskowski gone and lost, say, fifth round. But essentially, for is it all intensive purposes or all intents and purposes? I get so confused. All intents and purposes. Okay, for all of that, this was the championship. (laughs) In said round, with everything on the line, Brad Zaskowski rolls up and lays down 16 total. He's 15 dead on one. Reminder, this is super stock. This is off the bottom bulb. This is on the long track. And in Brad Zaskowski's case, this is with an extra pedal, right? He's got three of them down there. 16 total. Wow. Brad Zaskowski's win light did not come on. Justin Lamb, reigning, defending NHRA Superstock world champion, says, I will see your 16 total and raise you five. 009, dead on two, world championship number five. Lamb went on to make it official with a couple more win lights. He ended up advancing to the final round before falling to Pete Perry, who, as you may have noted earlier, was also a title contender coming into the event. Perry is now mathematically ineligible. It is Justin Lamb's championship. Perry, as a side note, could finish second, depending on what he does in Pomona this weekend. He cannot win the title. Again, the championship is Justin Lamb's. And Jed, we've talked about this on the show in the past, but I just don't think that I can reiterate enough the greatness that is Justin Lamb and the what we're seeing. Like I just don't think we fully appreciate what we're witnessing here, what what we're in the midst of. Coming into this season, three drivers in history, one, two, three, had collected two NHRA championships in one season. Scotty Richardson was the only one to do it for the longest time. He won Super Comp and Super Gas in 1994. Jeff Strickland duplicated that feat in 2016, winning Top Dragster and Stock Eliminator. Last season, Justin Lamb became just the third driver, again, in NHRA history to win two championships in one season when he won Stock and Super Stock. In 2018, this season, Justin came within one single point. Again, there's 10 points per round in NHRA competition. So one-tenth of a round 
of accomplishing that incredible, ridiculous feat twice in as many years. He almost went back-to-back double world championships. He fell in stock. We'll talk about that later. Brian McClanahan is going to be your 2018 NHRA stock eliminator world champion. Well-deserved. Just in 689 points, by the way. The second most in all of sportsman drag racing. Just happened to be in the class behind the guy that had the most in McClanahan with 690. Justin's Superstock World Championship is his fifth. That ties Scotty Richardson, five world championships. That surpasses sportsman racing legends like Gary Stinnett. That's Edmund Richardson. That's more championships now Justin has won than Dan Fletcher, than Jeff Taylor, than David Rampey, than every other true sportsman competitor, with the exception, I believe, of Peter Biondo who's won seven. I think he is the only sportsman racer that's won more than five. I say true sportsman racer. I'm not counting Frank Manzo uh, in in the discussion. Jeg Coughlin Jr. has won six, I believe, but five of those were in pro stock, just one in the sportsman categories. And the most amazing thing about this, Justin Lamb's 31. Who knows what the future brings, but I don't think it's crazy to say that he's not done winning world championships. Scotty is the only competitor prior to now to claim three NHRA World Championships in a two-year span. We mentioned that he had the double championship in 1994. He also won the Super Comp title in 1993. Justin joins him in that extremely exclusive group. This season in Superstock, Justin Lamb had a perfect national score. Okay, You only get to claim three national events. He had won three by July. Just for good measure, he added two more national event wins that didn't even count to his ledger. His national event round record in Superstock this season, 30 and 3. 30 up, 3 down. That includes those five event wins and three three races where he lost in round one. So if he gets through first round, look out. (laughs) Combine the last two seasons together, which again include three world championships and a second place finish. Combine them together, Justin entered... 15 national events over the course of the last two years. He ran two cars at each of those events. So he had 30 opportunities. He was in 14 final rounds. Oh my goodness. 47% of the national events at which he staged in round one, he staged in the final round. 47%, Jed. Of those, he won eight times. That means that 27% of the time that he entered, he held the trophy over the last two years. Just absolutely incredible. Some numbers that I wanted to throw out to validate the idea that I've said this before. I don't think it's crazy, Jed, that we're going to look back on this 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now and say that dude might very well be the best that we've ever seen do this. And I think it gets lost in the moment of watching it because we get so used to Justin Lamb turning on wind lights. Yeah, it's ultra impressive, Luke. It's hard to really believe that a guy can go out and accomplish those kind of numbers in the talented fields that show up at these events with the, the great equipment that's out there. Justin continues to do it. And for anybody that thinks, well, that was a big round, he kind of pulled one out of his hat. That's, I mean, 11 pack is probably not his average run, but I bet it ain't far off. When he needs to make a run, this guy makes a run. He's unbelievable at the starting line makes great decisions at the finish line and uh, just you know he's got it all every tool is in the bag right now for justin lamb and it's showing come within a point of doing 
back-to-back double-up championships is just phenomenal. It really is. And not much more we can say about Justin Lamb, what he's accomplished. I think you summed it up very well. But it is something to watch. And um, definitely when we look back in a few years or a decade down the road, we'll, we'll know we saw something truly, truly special. Yeah, I mean, we're singing the praises of Justin Lamb, and rightfully so, but had a quick shout-out for Zasko, for Brad Zaskowski. Like, this is a guy that has been no stranger to the championship fight. He's been in the top ten numerous times. He's in a position to get it done and earn the highest honor in our sport this season, and he lays down 16 total. Like, he just has the misfortune of being awesome in the same time span that Justin Lamb is at the height of his powers. Because I don't know that anybody's going to beat who's ever a deserving champion. Sasko probably deserved to win the world championship. Just wrong place, wrong time. But kudos to him because, A, he's awesome. And, B, that left foot, like, that's doing a lot of different stuff that I'm not used to. Like, I ain't sure I could stage Sasko's car. So there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, very impressive with the clutch pedal, uh, laying down a 15 dead one lap that wins 99.5% of the time, probably in any category, much less in super stock. Very, very impressive performance by Zasko and didn't get the results that that should have gotten, but I think even he knows, you know, just up against something pretty special right now. Sometimes it just goes the other way. Those were uh, really, really hot performances, Luke. But yeah, Justin Lamb is the man. He was not, Jig Jed, the only champion crown this week, and certainly not the only clutch performance of the weekend in Vegas. That will lead us into this week's BTE, Who's Hot? He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. BTE is one of few full-service transmission companies with a full array of manufacturing and testing capabilities. Their in-house CNC facility is paired with an extensive collection of gear hobbing and shaping machines to produce any high-performance driveline product. From inception, BTE's racing products are designed, prototyped, field-tested, produced, inspected, and even shipped by real racers. Just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, their warehouse and manufacturing facility in Mount Pleasant, Mississippi, is stocked with thousands of parts, and they're centrally located in the United States for fast delivery anywhere. Luke, we talked about some hot drivers just now, but this week's BT Who's Hot was a little different but really clutch and a heck of a performance. Uh, typically, this goes to somebody that's just won something big or what have you, but this was big weeks. Who's hot performer? It might be the first time Big did in the history of our BTU Who's Hot Award that it's gone to a racer that didn't actually win a race the weekend prior. But we thought that this was fitting. This week's Who's Hot is Steve Williams, and we'll get into exactly why. He is now the, the national points leader in Supercomp. Supercomp is the only NHRA category that has not yet crowned a champion. It's going to come down to Pomona, but Steve will be leading, and Steve will be the favorite, I would have to say, um, going into Pomona based on the strength of his performance at Las Vegas last weekend. Let me set this up just a little bit. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that coming into Las Vegas, Supercomp was wide open. I believe there was eight drivers that still had a mathematical shot at the World Championship. 
the points leader, the incoming favorite, Don Nichols, lost early. I believe he went down in round one. This is as good a place as any big dead to note our goof last week or my goof last week. Coming into the event at Las Vegas, Don Nichols and Coy Collier were tied atop the NHRA Super Comp standings. I assumed, wrongfully, that since Coy's name was listed at the top of the standings, that meant that he won the tiebreaker. Again, that was incorrect. Had those two finished the season tied, or if they finished the season tied, Nichols will have the tiebreak advantage. So, misspoke last week, but Nichols comes in as the incoming points leader, falls in round one. Mark Graham, probably the guy with the best shot other than Don Nichols, also down in round one. Ray Ray Miller, he took his shot. He went down in round three. Tom Stahl, but took his shot. I believe that was a round three exit as well. Steve Williams fired his shot. And Big Jed, could I go so far as to say it was the shot heard around the world? <laughs> I would say that's fitting. <laughs> big Steve had a big day. Ended up as the runner-up in Super Gas and also a semifinalist in Super Comp. The Super Comp semi was huge. When Steve Williams won round number five, he took over the national points lead. The Vegas division race is one of just a handful of events throughout the season that actually takes eight rounds to win Super Comp. So not only did he win round five, he came back, he won round six, he lost in the semifinal round seven. That gives him a 20-point lead in the national championship. And I think what's as impressive as doing it in that moment, on that stage, under that pressure. Because as I've talked about before, when you get to Vegas, everyone seems to know what you have to do in order to take the lead or win the championship or whatever the case may be. And in case anyone forgets, Reinhardt's working that event. He's on the mic. He's as up with this as anybody. He's letting everybody know every time that you pull into the water. It's a big, big moment that's difficult to describe unless you've been there. Not only does he have to overcome that, Steve Williams, he had to do it the hard way. You roll through the first three rounds of competition and not to say that those rounds were cakewalks or to disparage the competition that he has there. But as you could imagine, with every win light, the possibility and as the other competitors fall around you, the possibility of what coming into the weekend may have seemed like a bit of a pipe dream. With every win light, it becomes more and more real. Like, wow, I've really got an opportunity to do this. I could win the world championship today. And about the time that you start thinking that, or Steve, I assume, would start thinking that, it's round four. He's paired up with Jeremy Deemers. Deemers A, or Jeremy DeMars. I think it's Deemers. I'm going to go with Deemers. Jeremy is a consistent top 10 finisher, a really, really tough out in the 890 category specifically. If he gets by that, the fourth round by run, oh, just somebody named Kevin Brandon, former world champion. That will be waiting in round five. So you know coming in, Steve Williams, I've got to beat Jeremy Damers. I've got to beat Kevin Brandon. If I do that, I'm probably going to win the world championship. Tough road to hoe. He did it. Again, now by advancing to the semifinal, he is the leader by two rounds. It's not over. It's, again, the only class that hasn't been decided. Super Comp has. Don Nichols can overtake Steve Williams and win the Super Comp World Championship with a third-round victory this weekend in Pomona. So again, he needs three win lights to retake the lead and likely the championship. If he does not advance to round four, Mark Graham still has a shot. Um, assuming that Nichols did not improve, Graham could win the championship with a final round appearance. Keep in mind, Big Steve will be at Pomona, and I would assume he will be trying to run one of those two guys. 
in the first round of competition. So it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch. Certainly those two guys, given Nichols and, and Graham, given their pedigree and their success this season, they've obviously got a shot. If you have to handicap it, what, 25% of the field gets into round four? No, it's less than that. 12.5% of the field gets into round four. So you got to say Steve Williams is the favorite. But regardless, whatever happens this weekend, you can't take away from the performance at Vegas in the clutch, under pressure. Steve Williams does what he has to do, nearly doubles up because, oh, by the way, he's winning in super gas a lot as he goes. The race that I would assume, uh, the class that I would assume is not nearly as important to him in the moment, but he's just rolling through the field in both of them. On the strength of that, this week's BT performance, who's hot? Steve Williams. Yeah, plus performance right there, Luke. You talked about it a few shows ago that, you know, you would, I think you said you'd rather be the guy that puts yourself in position to win, control your own destiny, where Steve doesn't really have to watch how things play out so much as go out and perform and he can secure the the championship so uh, oh let's be very clear it is much more fun and i think much less pressure to be in steve williams shoes there than it is to be in non-nickel shoes i assume nichols is sitting somewhere in the stands and it's just an unnatural feeling for most of us to root against anybody yeah. but you have absolutely no say in what happens like whether it's it's easier more difficult i don't know but it's definitely more fun to be in steve's shoes yeah, so big deal there, but there were other champions crowned, as you talked about a little bit, and it's starting to give some clarity to how the uh, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast NHRA Pick'em is going to play out, and I don't think either one of us is going to like the uh, outcome here, as uh, one of those champions was Ronnie Proctor in Top Sportsman. That is Team Kevin, Team K-Mac. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a, a recurring theme, that Team Kevin thing. I was hoping that we wouldn't bring that up, Big Jed. The top sportsman category had the potential for a ton of drama coming into Vegas, and it just didn't really unfold that way. Uh, Jared Loebner fell in round one. He will end up second in points to Mr. Proctor. Doug Crumlich then was the only competitor that had an opportunity to overtake Proctor. He fell in round two. As it was, Proctor was there. We speculated a week ago whether or not he would make the trip to Las Vegas from West Virginia. He did and advanced pretty deep into eliminations. It was either the quarterfinals or the semifinals before Proctor was defeated. At that point, it was a mute subject. He had already clinched the championship, but he would have been very difficult to overtake as it was because he did add to his score in Las Vegas. As we mentioned earlier, this year's stock eliminator world champion will be Brian McClanahan. Again, not a ton of drama here, certainly not what I was hoping for, given the season that both McClanahan and Justin Lamb have put together to this point. Justin, I believe, had to make it to the semifinal round at Las Vegas to overtake McClanahan in stock. Justin Lamb went red in round one, and I think that immediately once he did, that sealed the deal and clinched this year's world championship for Brian McClanahan. Yeah, big deal there for Brian. Good to see him get the championship, as you mentioned. And oh, that is Team Luke, by the way. I mean, that's the only score I'm going to have, so i got to live it up. Way to go, Brian. Team Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Team Luke on the board. Should have mentioned that, but uh, really didn't care. Paul Nero got the win in top dragster, and that was a Team Jed pick, so I got one on the board. Unfortunately, one's not going to do it. Mark Jones had a second-round loss there, and uh, that helped. Paul Nero, I think Mark had to win the event, as you mentioned last week, and come up short second round. So that propelled Paul Nero on to the championship. But the interesting side note is Nero didn't qualify. He, he failed to get into the field, so he could not play blocker. He just had to sit and watch, but he didn't have to watch long. 
Yeah, this is just more fodder for that discussion of a 32-car field versus a 48-car field. The event at Las Vegas is one of, I think, two, eh, maybe four or five on the season, in which the field is expanded to 64 cars. And this year's world champion ended up 67th out of 64 cars, was unable to get into the field. And let me be completely frank and completely clear, because I feel like this got misconstrued in some of our earlier discussions. Paul Nero is the 2018 NHRA Top Dragster World Champion, and he is every bit of a deserving champion. He won more rounds than anyone else throughout the season, and it wasn't close. Like, he won this by 50-plus points, okay? So I'm not trying to take anything away from Paul Nero's accomplishments. What he's done this year is amazing, and it's coming on the heels of a season in which he finished second. So it's not like this is a flash in the pan at all. But for those top dragster competitors on the other side of the country, okay, because that's the point that I'm making. It is a different category out west where it's a 48-car plus field versus most of the eastern races that are a 32-car field. Paul Nero went, I think it was 685 in at Las Vegas. The bump at the St. Louis National Event was 630-something. Like that's half a second quicker. You know, it's just a different category. He's near won the championship and deservingly so, but in a car that is by like division two, three, four standards, not competitive top dragster car. And that's not Nero's fault. Like he has taken advantage of the opportunity presented to him and done an incredible job. But it speaks to the idea that you have a national championship in a class in which the the rules and the competition structure varies significantly from one side of the country to the other. And I just think that that's an issue. Again, not trying to take anything away from Nero. What he's done is incredible. But when you look at this, it, it just, I can understand the point of the top dragster competitors with a 16 car going, wait, what? The, the world champion goes 680s? Like, nobody goes 680s out here. It's just a different yeah. deal. Yeah, regional rules in a in a nationwide competition does seem to to have a flaw in there. So, and I think it's no knock on Paul, just like you said. But I think Paul would admit that had you know if he had to compete out here, uh, it, the championship could look different. And that doesn't make him not a good racer, but it definitely would change the game based on you know qualifying ability. So. But nonetheless, the rules are how they are, and Paul gets a win for Team Jed. And just like we talked about in Top Sportsman, Super Gas, Team K-Mac, Kevin gets another win with Devin Eisenhower as Eisenhower, Eisenhower secures the championship. Aaron Kennard, the red-hot Aaron Kennard, turned it red in round number one, and Michael Miller fell in round number three, which sealed it for Devin a friend of the podcast, had him on the show, and uh, good to see Devin get that win. Humble young man getting his Super Gas World Championship very early in his career. Yeah, the drama in Super Gas was certainly the week prior at the national event where uh, Aaron Kennard went to the round that he needed to win and then turned it one thou red, as we bemoaned on last week's podcast. This time around, I believe Aaron had to win the fourth round, went red in round one. So again, the drama, uh, not near as high um, this time around. Michael Miller, as you mentioned, still had a shot, but it was a long shot. I think he had to make the final at both Vegas and then come back and repeat that at Pomona. So even after Kennard lost, it wasn't official. When Michael Miller was defeated, I believe it was in round three, Devin Eisenhower officially clinched this year's world championship. Huge accomplishment for that young man. And Big Jeb, we don't speak too much about competition eliminator but comp came down to vegas as well and actually technically beyond 
round. Uh, coming to Vegas, Frank Aragona was in the lead. He made the trek to Vegas to try to play blocker on the names, the, some of the biggest names in competition eliminator, David Rampey. Craig Bourgeois, Clint Neff all had an opportunity. Neff didn't make an appearance for whatever reason. Rampy and Bourgeois both went down, I believe it was in round two. So Aragona retains the lead going into Pomona. And the only racer that still has Pomona to claim that has a chance to catch Frank Aragona is Clint Neff. Clint Neff not entered in Pomona. So uh, I don't know when exactly this becomes official. I assume it's after like the first qualifying session at Pomona. But uh, unless something way bizarre happens between now and then, Frank Aragona is your 2018 NHRA competition eliminator world champion. And uh, Big Jade, if you've noticed in any of that mm-hmm. a, tr- a trend, the Superstock world champion, Justin Lamb, Team Kevin, the top sportsman world champion, Team Kevin, the Supergas World Champion Team Kevin, we only picked six categories. He won three of them. Uh, this is not good for us. I don't know what price we're going to have to pay. Again, we'll put that out there to the listeners. Be easy on us. Be gentle. Uh, but yeah, we've we've got some dues to pay. Yeah, I'm not good at math, but I think that leaves us mathematically ineligible. And uh, good for Kevin. That was a. Uh... Very good picks on his part, so he deserves it, and we'll accept our punishment like men. So, Luke, uh, just to wrap that up, there were some uh, event champions there. Chris Cannon, which obviously had a lot of drama surrounding him last year, got the win over Steve Williams in Super Gas. That was a clutch win, too, not on the national stage, as obviously Chris Cannon was involved in the national points chase right to the end last season. But I believe Cannon came into this event and had to win the race to win the Division Six crown, and he did just that. So a huge accomplishment for him. Yeah, very big. And Matt Woodard got the win in Super Comp over Ken Mostowich. Uh, Top sportsman was Jeff Gillette over Paul Mitzos. And... Top dragster was our old buddy Ed Open getting a win over the Kazman, Steve Kasner, a couple of guys that perform well in top dragster a lot. So congratulations to those guys for their event wins. Yeah, we mentioned Superstock earlier. That was Pete Perry getting the win over newly crowned five-time NHRA world champion Justin Lamb. And Big Jed, the most notable result of the weekend, Stock Eliminator, Joe Sorensen. Uh, Division 6 Elite got the win over one Derek <laughs> Elam. I got to admit, they did Derek Elam, for those of you that may, name may not ring a bell, that is the driver of the W Stock Automatic Pinto Station Wagon that we've brought up repeatedly on the show. And I'll be completely <laughs> honest with the listener here, Jed. Like, this started as a bit, right? Like, yep. We were just trying to, to make light of a guy in a W Stock Automatic Pinto. Winning, I believe he won the, the points meet at Boise early in the year. And we're like, wow, that's a 16-second stock eliminator car. You don't see that very often, right? And we just had some fun with it. And, of course, as loyal listeners know, um, Derek Elam is just setting himself up for 2019 because this has been the year of the Chevette. It's already been established, 2019, the year of the Pinto. Again, this has been a bit for us. Like, I, I hate to break it to you if you went out and bought a Pinto. Like, we were just kind of having fun with this. If Derek Elam drives... In 2019, like he drove at Las Vegas, he may very well be the world champion. Like he was nasty throughout, if you look through the box score. And this is now the third time that we have mentioned his name again. The first one was definitely in jest. The second one, we we're like, wow, how about that guy? He did it again. Okay, like three times is a trend, Jed. Yeah. Eric Elam has attended six NHRA events in 2018. 
He's been to three finals in a W-stock automatic Pinto station wagon. Yeah. That's impressive. So uh, I'm just telling you, we're going to handicap this. But uh, Derek Elam, I hope that I get the first pick in Stock Eliminator so that you guys can't steal him from me. Uh, Derek Elam, write it down. Team Luke 2019. (laughs) Notes. We got a couple of interesting things here that maybe should have made the top of the show. But I guess the biggest one, I just don't think we can have the podcast this week, Jed, without at least touching on this topic. It's quite the the scuttlebutt. That's that's how I I termed it here. Is that that a decent term? Oh, I love scuttlebutt. Yeah, that's that's very well put. I don't know if it is necessarily a qualifier for the what everyone's talking about segment because I think it's sort of a like not necessarily on the hush thing, but it's uh, something that's not readily talked about, at least the details of it. But uh, here's the deal, and I feel like I got to bring this up, and I'll, I'll take this, Jed, because I've probably more than we have been a little bit critical in recent weeks. Like I've been on my soapbox I was a little bit critical of SFG last week with their excessive breaking ruling as a little bit critical of the million the week prior. So if I'm going to be critical of, of race promoters, like I really can't let this slide. Will Holloman recently won the $50,000 main event at the no limit promotions event at Darlington. I believe it was two weeks ago. And apparently, and I can't say apparently, like I've talked to all parties involved here, Will Holloman's winning check, not good at the current moment. That's not a good situation. Ugly deal all the way around. It is my understanding that every other racer that won money at that event, their checks have cleared. Uh, Will's obviously the biggest check of the event has not. Not a good situation, and I can't really defend the event promoters here. Like there's not really a good defense for this, but I will say this. I mean, knowing Wesley Washington, and this is Wesley and and, and Danny Waters, but this is more Wesley than Danny. Like, Danny's is uh, a name attached to this, similar to A.J. Ash's second fiddle to Kyle Riley and SFG. But having talked with both of them and and having talked with Will Holloman, this is ugly, and this this isn't a good look, certainly. But I am confident in saying that ultimately— this will be made right. This will be made good. We will get paid. But in saying that, again, like how we get to this point, indefensible and not, not certainly not a good look. I think in the end, this won't be as big a deal as it seems like right now, but it is certainly on the minds of many. And it's something that I felt like we had to at least bring up on the show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not a good situation there. You, you never want to see that happen. And it sounds to me like Wesley's on and up to it and going to do everything possible to make it right as quickly as possible. And this is a, a bad situation, but I think in the end, everybody will be made whole uh, that the way they're supposed to be. So uh, hopefully that gets resolved soon, but uh, still doesn't take away from Will having a big accomplishment there and the, the payday that comes along with it is part of the enjoyment of it. So hopefully he'll get to enjoy that part of it very soon. Luke, one last little thing here in uh, news and notes and scuttlebutts. Uh, how about this True Start thing? I, I did not know that. I just read that in the show notes a little while ago, so that's very interesting. Yeah, this is uh, breaking news straight from the desk of Peter Biondo. The press release on this, like the ink isn't dry yet. It hasn't even been officially released, but as you know, Jed, most of our listeners know, 
Pete and Kyle kind of pioneered the the True Start system along with CompuLink and Bob Brockermeyer. I believe the first event that it was um, actually in place in competition was the 2017 version of the Spring Fling Million in Las Vegas. Since then, it has been adopted by no less than 50 CompuLink-equipped tracks. And again, for those of you that are thinking True Start, what on earth is that? It's, it's basically a, a worst red light infraction, meaning that the slower car with a one thousandth red light would actually get the win against a faster car with a twenty thousandth red light, hence the True Start name. Again, been in place at several CompuLink facilities for the last couple of years. True Start and Peter and Kyle and, and CompuLink and now AccuTime are proud to announce that uh, CompuLink has basically issued license of the True Start system to Rusty Crawford and AccuTime Timing Systems. AccuTime, probably the second most known and second probably most popular timing system in our sport. Between the two, CompuLink and AccuTime, they can they house like 90% of the racetracks in North America are using one of those two timing systems. Now TrueStart will be available through not only CompuLink, but also AccuTime. So again, the folks at AccuTime will be offering TrueStart as an option at all AccuTime-equipped facilities, I believe starting immediately, certainly available in 2019. So that is exciting. I feel like we've, I think, both been on record, Big Jed is saying that we feel like True Start, while different, is a good thing for our sport. Like it just makes sense. It's a more fair way to go about it. And now this, uh, it feels like it's taken a little while to gain traction. It's one of those ideas that you'd think, well, that makes a lot of sense. Everybody should just adopt it. There's a little bit more to it than that. But certainly with this announcement, it seems like it would be more widespread, more commonplace, and ultimately, I think, be the way that uh, 99% of our races are contested. Yeah, it should be very interesting to see how that plays out. So uh, hopefully we, we see that put in place very soon. Uh, Luke, in other news over the weekend, just real quickly, we'll run down the the Bracket Racing World Series that SFG had at Silver Dollar Motorsports Park in Reynolds, Georgia. Wednesday's kickoff race, I think it was a 15-grander, was Lester Adkins getting the win over Neon Leon Robertson. Neon Leon! Looked like Neon was coming for the asses again and maybe come up just a little short and got him a runner-up again, so... Good for Neon. Lester Adkins getting it done there Thursday. Uh, believe that uh, Kyle Cotrera got the win over Chris Runnels. So Kyle uh, having him a good uh, last couple of months of the season. And uh, Chris Runnels, a guy from the, the uh, Nashville area. Good to see Chris making big final round there on Thursday. Friday, they had quite a bit of rain. It was supposed to be 350s, which is $150,000 total to the winners. They made it a Saturday, Sunday, 75 and 75, where Joe Williams got a huge $75,000 win over Gary Williams. And having Gary on the show the week prior to the million or week of the million, I believe Gary told us he was 9-0 and in finals that paid 30 or more. Huge record for him but comes up Might with his first, himself on that one <laughs> comes up with his first runner up in uh, in a big money final still a really good day for him i'm sure was very positive on his side but joe williams collecting a big payday there that was a big deal and then on sunday our old buddy david taylor from right up the road here in hayden alabama lives about 15 minutes north of me got his name on the big check for 75 grand as he got the best of Aaron Vale, which is a many-time Big Buck finalist, as we know, 
Aaron, very accomplished. And uh, David's a great racer, just don't get out a whole lot, but he took his dragster on over to Reynolds and got him a $75,000 payday. So great to see David Taylor getting his name on the big check. And the the 10 Grand Slam, which we still say is the best name of a race anywhere, and that was a, a really big deal there up at Richmond Dragway in Virginia. And Saturday did not get finished. I think they had some weather there as well. They did a split around. One was complete. Sunday got the 10K Grand Slam event in where Al Miller got the win over Derek Thompson. So good to see those guys get to wrap that up on Sunday with a $10,000 payday. So, Luke, let's pay some bills. And then we will come back and get to hear my main man, JJ, with his top 10. Good stuff. Before we do, Big Jet, I want to backtrack just a second. That Saturday $75,000 final, that was an all-Williams final, Joe Williams over Gary Williams. No relation. To your point earlier, Gary, 9-0 and previously in $30,000-plus finals, or said he may have jinxed himself by uh, stating that as a fact on the podcast. He didn't miss by much. One thou red in that final round for seventy-five grand. If if uh, he stages a little shallower or has one thou more in the box, we are talking about ten and zero more than likely. That's how this game works. And a side note, like that was an all Williams final again, no relation. It was almost like a Williams dominant weekend. Watching the round by round results in Sunday's seventy-five grander that again was won by David Taylor. I believe at 16 cars remaining, we still had Gary Williams, we still had Troy Williams Jr., and we had Donovan Williams. That's Gary's son, still in competition at 16. I believe Gary bowed out that round, but Troy and Donovan advanced to the semifinal on the dragster side. So that's you know eight cars remaining total. They both fell in that round. So it certainly had the makings of being a even more Williams-heavy weekend. But when you say Williams, uh, you think Gary, Troy, maybe Austin, maybe Steve. Lots of good Williams racers out there. Joe Williams that uh, that took the crown and got all the headlines and the big check in Reynolds last weekend. Now, Big Jed, we can pay some bills. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. Today's podcast is also presented in part by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks with quality products designed for racers by racers. Luke and I depend on Portatree for my own practice. Check them out at www.portatree.com. It's that time again with the little golden voice of drag racing, JJ Oh, Pennington. he dropped it like it's, it's hot. It's time for... Jay. 
guys it's time for jj's top 10 as promised and i want to make sure everybody knows that jj's top 10 is brought to you by armed forces racing and the mission of armed forces racing is to use drag racing as a tool to give our veterans purpose and allow camaraderie that helps heal the body mind and spirit veterans a purpose greater than themselves I want to thank the great folks at armed forces racing for bringing jj's top 10 and without further ado we got the man himself on the line with us jj how you doing tonight bud doing good doing good how's uh how's seventh grade treating you that's all right hmm. not very talkative tonight but wake up you got a segment to do here on the podcast so we we'll, want we'll to get a few more words out of you uh, anything new going on any uh new things happening for you like new stuff or new animals or anything you're dealing with right now well I did get a new puppy this past weekend. Uh, his name is Hoosier. Okay. What kind of puppy is that? A Yorkie Poo. A Yorkie Poo named Hoosier. Oh, good. How's Buster liking him? Uh, not too much. <laughs> I think the entire podcast audience just melted. <laughs> yeah. Little Yorkie Poo named Hoosier. Don't get much better than that. All right, bud, we, uh, we've had a big show so far, but we got a lot to talk about on your top 10, which is really a top 15, as we talk about each time that you get a segment here on the show. So let's go right on to your list here and see what's happening in the junior dragster category. How about number five? Number five is one of my good buddies, KC Pesnell, we call him K-Sizzle. He won the House of Smoke race at a Holiday Beach Raceway. Yeah, KC with another big performance. He's had a really good year and, and a good career so far. So good to see KC making your list. How about number four? Whoa, time out. If we think that K Sizzle for a minute ain't getting a shout out, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Who made number four on the list, bud? Number four is going to be uh, Cameron Wisnett. He won the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular at Farmington Dragway. Yeah, big win for the junior category. That's a big deal. Cameron won the Saturday race there, which is uh, probably their biggest attendance. So good to see Cameron Wisnett making your list. How about number three? Number three is going to be Cole Wilson. He won the IHRA Division II Championship. Well, that was actually Chloe Wilson, and she won the IHRA Division II Championship, but that's uh, it's okay. You didn't. No, that's all good. You didn't miss that too bad. A uh, little odd spelling on that. So um, how about number two on the list? Number two is going to be Gage Birch. He won the NHRA Division II Championship. Gage Birch with another huge performance in the junior dragster category and another NHRA Division II Wally to add to the many, many that he's already won in his young career. Gage Birch feels like the college basketball player that's been at Indiana for like seven years. Surely he's aged out of junior dragsters, right? 
Yeah, I would think Gage is done with the juniors. But <laughs> I, you know, I've thought that for a couple of years now, so I guess we shall see. He is the Perry Ellis of junior dragster racing. <laughs> and JJ, who gets the honor of being number one on your top five junior dragster list? Number one is going to be KJ Disa. Got his fifth double win of the year and secured the Southern California Drag Racing Association Championship. Also won the LVMS Championship. Yeah, the Las Vegas Motorsports Championship as well, and got the Southern California Drag Racing Association Championship. Five double ups on the year, just got another one last weekend. KJ. Tremendous talent out there on the West Coast and a young man that I think we're going to hear a lot more about as his racing continues to grow and he gets into the the big cars soon. So great job there by KJ. Uh, Another fine performance by him. So, bud, let's switch on over to the bottom bulb category where when we put this list together, I thought it was really interesting what we come up with for number five right here. Um, pretty cool deal, although didn't have wins associated with it. I thought it was cool enough to get on the, the list. So how about number five on your bottom bulb list? All right. Number five is a um, double up for the first time in uh, the history of JJ's top ten. Seth Phillips and Kevin Pollard both take the number five spot for driving to Montgomery from Virginia to footbreak in the million-dollar race. Yeah, now these two guys came down from Virginia to the million in Montgomery. You know, high stakes, um, you know, pretty stout entry fees and those things. They didn't just come down and run the surround races. Jumped right off in the million with the N on their window and a circle around it and swapped feet and one of the biggest races that a sportsman drag racer or bracket racer will ever get to compete in. Uh, we thought it was really cool to see those guys come down and, and have the confidence in themselves to swap feet at such a, a large stakes event. So pretty cool that they get the number five spot and share it. Good job there, JJ. How about number four? Number four is going to be Soggy Dunn. He won a 10K race at the door wars and maple growth three weeks after having a heart attack yeah soggy dunn well, he was a, a bt who's hot here recently on the show uh, got a 10k victory on the bottom in maple grove in a huge talented field just three weeks after suffering a heart attack i mean uh, that's a difficult task as it is but when you're going through those kind of things in your life and, and having to make some adjustments health-wise, I'm sure he's having to do. And then you just, as soon as you get released by the doctor, you come out and you win a 10K on the bottom in a, a, a bloodbath up there in the northeast part of the country. So really cool uh, accomplishment for Soggy and good to see him make number four on your list. How about the third spot, bud? Number three is going to be Dylan Bontrager, won Sunday 10 grander at the SFC, and he hadn't foot braked in a race in over two years. Yeah, Bontrager just making the decision to come out and race with us there at Holly Springs. Uh, hasn't had an opportunity to do any foot brake racing. Um, you know, just basically come out and started his testing process there Friday morning. Obviously had it figured out pretty well by Sunday, getting a big win and our final day 
at the SFC. Pretty big deal for Dylan. Good to see him make the trip out from Texas and get your number three spot. How about number two? Number two is going to be Josh Green. He won the Friday 10 grander at the SFC as a driver and won the Saturday 10K at the SFC as a car owner when Edmund Ellison got the win. Pretty big deal there for our buddy Josh Green. Um, this is SFC heavy um, for, for obvious reasons. JJ saw that with his own eyes, so that's uh, that's hard to get that out of a 12-year-old's mind. So um, apologize for the SFC dominating it, but really don't have to apologize because it's your list, bud. You can do it any way you want to do it. Really cool to see Josh get the win on Friday. That was an emotional victory for him. And then to come back Saturday with his driver, Edmund Ellison, in his other car, putting another 10K check in the bank for those guys. Pretty cool deal. And Josh, very deserving of your number two spot. But number one, that was just really cool to see. And I'm excited to hear you tell us who got your number one spot in the bottom bulb list this week. All right, number one, Hannah Bubblegum Blevins. She won the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular top bulb race while hitting the bottom. Now, I don't know if y'all have heard it, but this is the year of the bottom bulb racer. And that's, this is that, that's catchy. We should use that. Yeah, we should talk about that more, Luke. But uh, obviously, a huge win there for Hannah Bubblegum Blevins, getting the win, hitting the bottom in a top bulb race, 10K payday at the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. And, Luke, I don't know how many times that's happened already this year, but it's been multiple times. So bottom bulbers are showing up with confidence and getting it done on big stages. Very happy and proud to see Hannah Bubblegum Blevins take the number one spot on JJ's Top Ten this month. And I should have said something prior, but I want to remind everybody, uh, this is for the month of October. So obviously we're a week or so into November and there's some races fresh on everybody's mind. They're probably wondering why a racer that performed well over this past weekend hadn't made the list. That'll be November's list. This is for October only. So that's why the list looks the way it yeah. does. And, J.J., how about Whoa, your time? Whoa, time out, time out. Before Go we ahead. get there, two notes on the, the bottom bulb list. Number one, J.J., Jed. You guys don't have to apologize for it being SFC heavy. Was there a bigger <laughs> bottom bulb event contested over the last month than the Southern Footbreak Challenge? You don't have to answer me because that would sound boastful. The answer is no, there was not. Secondly, and much more importantly, we've talked about this before on the podcast. The idea that she went to the racetrack to chew bubblegum and kick and she ran out of bubblegum. Because I don't know if that's the genesis or not, but I so want that to be the root of this nickname. Can someone either confirm or deny and let us know? It's important. Somebody. I mean, somebody let us know. Somebody let us know. The masses want to know. If nothing else, I want to know. Yes. And I didn't even know I wanted to know till you let me know I wanted to know. And now I really want to know. So very good point, Luke. We need somebody to reach out to us and let us know where the bubblegum nickname comes from for Hannah. And Hannah, you can do that yourself if you want to. We'd be proud to to hear it straight from you. So there were some major events in October on the top bulb side of things, and there are some big winners. This is going to be big dollar bracket race heavy, but these people deserve recognition for what they did. But start us out with number five on the top bulb list. 
Number five is going to be Will Holloman. He was the 50K winner of the Triple Crown 25s at Darlington. Yep, talked about Will a little earlier. Uh, big, big win for him. A guy that's uh, doing it for a living, needs those kind of uh, days at the racetrack. So good for Will. Big win there at the Triple Crown 25s finale. Tell us about number four. Number four, Marshall Grooms, 100K winner at Rockingham SFG race. Marshall Grooms, huge performance. Uh, obviously, his biggest win to date. Been doing it for quite some time. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but this is the year of the young gun in bracket racing. And we're about to start into a theme that shows or into a, a list that shows us that veterans are also very, very capable. Marshall being one of those. And number three is exactly that, a veteran of the sport. Tell us about number three, bud. Number three, racing Jason Lynch. We, he was also a 100K winner at Rockingham. Racing Jason, I believe, won one of the days that went till 3 o'clock or so in the morning. A uh, guy that has a lot of races under his belt, been doing it a long, long time, a veteran that stayed focused and prepared all the way through a monster field and getting it done in the wee hours of the morning, showing that, uh, you know, age and experience wins out quite often in our sport. So good for racing Jason, making number three on the list. How about number two, bud? Number two is going to be Sugar Shane Carr. Again, 100K winner at Rockingham. So there's three 100K winners, and you think, yeah, it's easy to pick three 100K winners. JJ and I talked about it. These guys went through huge fields. Long, long days at the racetrack. Veterans of the sport. Sugar Shane, another veteran of the sport. He's had about as many birthdays as I've had. Guy's been around a long time. Has won a ton. But it's good to see Sugar getting back on the right side of a big buck bracket race final and taking that 100K win at Rockingham. And, again, those last three guys have uh, been doing it a long time. And they showed that veterans are very capable of beating these young guns today and that is definitely what our number one guy on the top bulb list accomplished tell us about him bud number one here he is skinny kenny underwood getting his second million dollar race win what i would also like to add two times since mr folk has had the million and has been run on sunday underwood has won both of them He's a Sunday million kind of guy. He got it done once again to get his second million, only the second guy to do that, as we have discussed at length here on the show. But Skinny Kenny getting another million-dollar win on uh, what you know would be a challenging day at the racetrack as well. That thing wrapped up about midnight Sunday night. Huge win for him. And as Luke, as we talked about quite often here on the show this year, uh, Kenny probably at this point with that win coming off of the, the arguably the greatest season a bracket racer has ever had. Yes, uh, you could definitely make that argument. And Jed, it's like I always say, um, experience goes a long way in this sport. 
I mean, I've said that <laughs> repeatedly, right? Yeah, yeah, you always say that. <laughs> Kenny, I, I believe one of our rapid fire questions for Kenny was his favorite song. And I, if, I, if memory serves, his selection was something from Skinner. Like, I want to say it was Freebird, but that seems too obvious. It was definitely a Skinner mm-hmm. song. It might, uh, given JJ's uh, narrative there, I changed that over to the country song. Is that Daryl Worley, What I Love About Sundays? That is definitely <laughs> what wow. Skinny Kenny loves about Sundays. Wow, very well done, sir. Uh, and, you know, yeah. One thing I would like to know about Kenny, I wonder if he could be any animal. What animal would he be? But maybe we'll get a chance to ask him that one day. Man, Great. I hope he comes back on the show so you can throw that. <laughs> Great to see Kenny making number one on the list. Very deserving. He's been deserving all year long. Tremendous year. I think he had another pretty good weekend this past weekend. So congratulations, Kenny Underwood and, and all of the the top five finishers, but it was so big on the top bulb over the last month that uh, JJ wanted to mention a few other guys uh, that uh, were considered as honorable mention, but run down that list for us real quick. Just do them all. All right. So we got Alan Wickle. He was the 25 K winner on Friday at the million with 626 entries. Tom Dauber was the winner on Sunday for the 25 K Sunday race. With 560 entries, Adam Davis, AD South, 25K winner on Thursday with 572 entries, and Corey Galitti, the youngest million-dollar race finalist ever after wrecking his car at 14 cars, jumping into another car and comes and becomes the youngest million-dollar race finalist ever. Yeah, those guys very deserving. If it hadn't have been for those monster paydays, probably would have made the list easily. Lots and lots of entries, long, long days at the track. A couple of those guys are veterans of the sport. AD fits somewhere in the middle. He's not the young gun anymore, but he's certainly not an old guy. He's he's uh, right around that 30 years of age, I guess, and very talented, as we know, on the bottom bulb, showing his talent on the top. And then Corey Galitti, definitely being the youngest million-dollar race finalist ever, very deserving of some honorable mention. But you uh, you should touch them all. You, you just hit a home run. You knocked this one out of the park. That was a, a heck of a list and some great accomplishments in the month of October where we see probably our best racing month of the year. And uh, you did a great job. Great to have you on the show, and, and thank you for putting so much work and effort into this list and, and giving us your rundown. You're welcome. Can't wait till next month. Covered the globe, too, JJ. I mean, you got Skinny Kenny on the top. You got Bubblegum out on the East Coast. And was it KJ and Junior Dragsters mm-hmm. out on the West Coast? Yeah. I mean, we just we spread it all around. We're a nationwide podcast here. Yeah, JJ's got his eye on them all. Doing, oh, doing a real good job there. Well, bud, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Again, super proud of you. Best 12-year-old correspondent to a sportsman drag racing podcast probably in the world i mean i'm i know i'm bragging a little bit on you here but i still in history think that in the history yes of the sport so great job great to have you hope you have a real good night make sure you get your homework all done didn't have any homework tonight got lucky yeah that is that's even more of a home run touch them all again thanks for joining us bud have a great night all right you want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land Then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ hey, you been waiting-
All right, say thanks again to J.J. for the top ten. Uh, that was a, a really good time with him. Another good segment by my little buddy. But, uh, Luke, I want to do a preview of the World Finals. We, we obviously have the NHRA World Finals coming up in Pomona. And this is a time where the sportsman bracket racer gets an opportunity to go be part of something really, really special, as we've talked about the last couple of World Finals events. But uh, we're going to give a brief rundown of who's competing from what division and uh, you just feel free to interject wherever you feel necessary but we'll start out with the sportsman category division one where faith warner will uh, come out of maryland to compete for those guys division two is earl tally from bowling green division three is brian hendrickson no brian really well very talented competitor taking his sending his mopar uh, out from hamilton ohio to uh, Pomona Division Four, a guy that we've had on the show that we've talked about at length has had an amazing season. Is Jake Howard from Texas? He'll be uh, running a, a friend's S10. Division Five is Brent Erickson from Nebraska. Division Six is Devin Froud from Washington. Division Seven is Garrett Hofer from California, and the wild card this year looking to go out and participate is Tanner Osti from Colorado. So talented sportsman racers there looking uh, to get on the big stage and get the uh, opportunity to win the, the national or world championship for that matter. Over in the motorcycle. Hey, yes. Well, Big Jed, let, let me just, let's make a bold prediction sure to go wrong. Now, self-admittedly, I don't know all of these guys, but uh, give me, I assume you don't either. And that's kind of the beauty of the bracket finals in this runoff is that you've got some of the best racers in regions that most of us are not necessarily familiar with if they're not our own. But give me a bold prediction, sure to go wrong. Who wins the Sportsman Summit World Championship? Well, it's easy for me to pick Jake Howard because of the season that he's had. And I would expect Jake to be a major factor in it. But I will go out, step out just a little bit and go with Brian Hendrickson. Uh, outside of Jake, um, to my knowledge, Brian's uh, one of the more talented racers in the sportsman category. Uh, I believe he does deep stage in Mopar. Not real sure what kind of challenges that's going to create out there in Pomona, but guy um, yeah, knows how to race both ends of the racetrack. So I'm going to go Brian Hendrickson, but uh, just because I think Jake was too easy of a pick. Okay. You? Uh, well, if you're going to leave the low-hanging fruit lion, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jake Howard. I will say I don't know Garrett Hofer personally, but I know that that is a name synonymous with success, particularly on the West Coast. believe that Garrett is CW and Sasha's nephew competing for his first world championship they both uh cw and sasha have uh experience in that so certainly the bloodlines uh line up for garrett hofer but yeah if you're gonna give me the choice here sure i'll pick jake howard i think he's gotta be the favorite yeah and garrett racing in his home state has to has to be uh somewhat of an advantage so we'll see how that plays out over to for jake howard it's a home away from home i mean he's yeah, there every november I'm sure, sure they know him when he rolls in the gate there. Welcome back, Jake. Uh, over in the motorcycle category, Luke, where we will not know these competitors quite as well. And Division Don Hookway coming out of New Jersey. Division two is John Markham 
from uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Division three is Jeremy Hicks from Ohio. Division four is Tony Davis from Texas. Division five is Bo Drexler from Colorado. Division six is Scott Grandal from Idaho. Division seven is Rick Newport from Utah. And the wild card this year is out of Iowa, and that is Bruce Damewood. So any time that I do not, because I know you're going to put me on the spot right here to pick somebody, and you know how much of a homer I am, so any time I really don't know the competitors, I have to just go back to what I'm comfortable with, and that is the Division Two representative. So John Markham will be your motorcycle ET national champion. Yeah, uh, I was wondering where you were going to go there because not only um, do I expect you to know any of these names, none of them were from Alabama, so I knew that you were in a really (laughs) tough spot. I was going to go with Markham as well just because he's from Bowling Green and I'm a big fan of Beach Bend Raceway Park and I assume that he's gone down that a time or two. But since you stole that from me, let me go um, just on name alone, um, Bo Drexler. I like that name, Bo Drexler. Like uh, Bo the Glide doesn't have as good a ring as Clyde the Glide, but (laughs) – Bo Drexler, your Division 5 rep from Lakewood, Colorado. That is my bold prediction, sure to go wrong. Big Jed, let's transition into a class where we know a few more of the names. And I have mentioned this before. I think we have both mentioned this before. The Super Pro contestants at this year's (laughs) World Championship runoff. This could be the final eight cars at the Million or or any big bracket race in the country. Division 1 representative Shane Beck. Division two representative, Jeremy Hancock. Division three, Mike Sturgill, or Mikey Sturgill out of Ohio. The division four rep, the reigning Spring Fling Million winner, and almost went Verdi on him. He did get to the semis in the, the, yeah. the Alabama Million. That's Randall Reed from Iowa Park, Texas. Division five, Jaron Miller is the representative out of Kansas. Division six, Pat Osmondson. Division 7, Bobby Dye out of Ontario, California, the hometown boy. And another hometown boy, this year's wild card, also coming out of Division 7. That's Zach Mazier from Escondido, California. Eight competitors, Big Jed, eight dragsters on the long track. At least, what, six names that we're very familiar with. And obviously eight super talented competitors. Bold prediction, sure to go wrong. Where are you going? Oh, Luke, uh, this is a very talented field. A little disappointed that nobody in a door car in any of the seven divisions won the the championship, but it's a a dragster-infested race. So I am going to go – obviously, I want to go Jeremy Hancock because he's Division II. Randall Reed's had an amazing season. But my old buddy Bobby Dye is right out there in California, sneaky good – just doesn't get a chance to show the world very often because you just don't get to compete at a lot of these races that these other guys go to. So I'm going with Bobby Dye. I think that's a good pick. I think full disclosure here, odds are that either Shane Beck from Division One or Pat Osmondson from Division Six will win this race simply because they're the two drivers in the field that I'm not as familiar with. Um, and, and I feel like I'm going to leave them out a little bit. It's one of those I'm sure will actually end up winning. But when I look at this, like this field is littered with talent. And I think if you have this race eight times over, you have at least five different winners. Um, but if that were the case and I was going to pick three that would win it more than once in eight opportunities, I'd go with Jimmy Hancock. I'd go with Mikey Sturgill. 
I'd go with Randall Reed. Um, man, and, and between those guys, like this race, I can only imagine this is a different animal. Obviously, everybody that is qualified for this won the bracket finals. That's pretty high stakes. That's pretty big pressure for anybody in sportsman drag racing. But this is going to be another level. And uh, from talking to people that have been a part of it, like you've got the trip there for one thing, you know, knowing that with, unless you're Bobby Dye or Zach Mazir in this case, you're a long way from home. Um, and you've got one race to, to make it stand up. The race is spread out over four days, which uh, if you're not like accustomed to NHRA racing, that certainly weighs on you emotionally. And then to cap all of that off, not only have you got thousands literally of people watching on the internet and your whole, you know, home division cheering you on, you've got thousands of people in the stands, which is a new dynamic for most bracket racers. If I had to pick one guy that I don't think will be phased by that at all, it's Randall Reed, simply because he's staged in the final of the million. He's been in the semis of the million another time. You don't get higher pressure, higher stakes than that. If there's anything to draw on that experience, I'll pick Randall. Uh, and just keep in mind that we've talked about this before, too. The season that he's had, not only did he win the Spring Fling million, not only did he make the semis at the Montgomery million, he obviously won the bracket finals in Division Four. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's bracket raced a half dozen times this year. It's just that when he goes, he wins. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll pick that to continue if you're going to force me to pick a winner. Uh, not a bad pick at all, Luke. And I'm sure that's going to be fun to watch how it plays out with all that talent out there. Speaking of talent, the pro guys will also be on the big stage and the Division One representative out of New Jersey is Matt Richeza. And we've talked about Matt at length. One of the young guns is having a really good year. Division Two is Matt Ward from South Carolina, another talented racer. Dustin Loins will represent Division Three out of Michigan. Division Four is, again, the aforementioned Jake Howard. And also getting a win in pro, taking his familiar fire turd out there to compete for a world championship. Division Five is Joe Marks out of Michigan. Now, Division Three guy come out of Michigan and Division Five guy comes out of Michigan. So that's a little bit interesting. I guess Michigan's a big state, so one's from the south, one's from the north. But nonetheless, a couple of Michigan competitors representing two different divisions. Matt Kilman from Washington, another talented guy, racing his Nova for Division Six. Division Seven, again, as you talked about the Hofer name, Sasha Hofer going back to the world finals with an opportunity uh, out of California to uh, get her world championship. And Nelson Balot Jr., or that could be below. I'm not real sure which one it is. It's from Massachusetts. So it's probably, I don't know which one it is, but Nelson's from Massachusetts making a long trip out to Pomona as the wild card uh, division one racer there. So, Luke, uh, without you asking, I will step right on out here. And I'm going to have to pick what I said I wouldn't do in Sportsman just because it was too obvious. This is Jake Howard. I feel like Jake's year, I think his car's had some challenges that he's just now gotten fixed. And I think he's going out there really confident and ready to compete on the big stage. So we're going to go with Jake Howard out of Division Four to get his world championship here in the pro category. Can I pick the Firebird? So it gives me pretty good odds. There's three out of eight 
Lots of firebirds, yes. Good yeah. point. You uh, you got the firebird firebird that I'm most familiar with. I will uh, just just to be contrarian. Uh, I, I echo your thoughts on Jake Howard, um, but I will go with Matt Richeza, the Division One representative, the Young Gun out of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That'll be my pick in pro. Yeah, so that'll be fun to watch as well. And that is the rundown on all of the uh, bracket competitors racing for the bracket ET World Championship at Pomona coming up next week or this week i guess you'd say and uh look forward to seeing how it plays out and good luck to each and every one of them that's a that's a really really big deal for those of you that aren't familiar with how the nhra side works looking forward to seeing who comes out as the champion of nhra bracket competition and uh, we'll talk about that event coming up and we'll talk about a little bit more stuff on what's on tap honey where are we racing next week It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! (laughs) As uh, we talked about right there, What's on Tap, uh, not a whole lot of stuff happening out there, but some good racing nonetheless. Uh, This weekend at Huntsville Dragway is the MVP Nationals. That's 310 Granders at Huntsville, Alabama. Um, you'd think that's where I'm going to be. I'm actually headed to Pensacola, Florida to race the Footbreak to Freedom 310 Granders that Rob Reynolds is putting on at Emerald Coast Dragway. I was looking forward to getting down there with my foot-breaking friends. Um, probably won't feel quite as good about that when it's over with and uh, I need a helmet and a mouthpiece, but I'm going to go down here and have a good time nonetheless. And just like we just talked about, the Auto Club NHRA Finals in Pomona, California this weekend, where the Super Comp World Championship is still up for grabs, as well as all of those bracket competitors going out to compete. I think the um, the pro categories are all just about settled up. Those world champions are crowned. So looking forward to seeing the bracket guys get their time on the big stage and compete for the world championship in Pomona this weekend. And, uh, but it's been a great time, but that wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Number 102 is in the books. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, fine folks at BTE, This Is Bracket Racing Elite, Porta Tree, and Armed Forces Racing. And uh, thank you, JJ, for your top 10. Really good time there with you, bud. And definitely one of my favorite parts of the show. And it is full of good stuff. Shout out time. Yeah, shout out to the best, bar none, 12-year-old announcer in the land, the best, the only uh, Sportsman Drag Racing podcast correspondent, our official correspondent, J.J. Pennington. Uh, Podcast this week, I wanted to start it off with J.J. because uh, shout outs this week are J.J. heavy, without question. So I want to shout out Hoosier, the (laughs) Yorkapoo. Uh, shout out to Kay Sizzle, because I said I would. Shout out to Chloe Wilson. Also, shout out to Cole Wilson, whoever that is. <laughs> shout out to Perry Ellis. That is the uh, Kansas Jayhawk guard that played at Kansas for, I think it was 18 seasons. Uh, you didn't think I'd get that in, did you, Jayhawks fans? Uh, didn't see that one coming. Shout out to Soggy Don for the name alone. Shout out to Hannah Blevins once again, and to Bubblegum. Uh, in general, and, and to Bubblegum Hannah, Hannah Levins. Uh, shout out to Daryl Worley, because I know you country music fans did not think I'd get that in either. Oh, you crushed that. 
Shout out to AD South. I hadn't heard that. That's fantastic. That's a great nickname. One of my top 10 nicknames, AD South. And shout out to Neon Leon, Big Jed, going to their ass, as you said. If anybody <laughs> is going to say ass on this podcast, it's going to be me. So I wanted to get that in right there. Uh, and I know you had to sneak in the Alabama reference for David Taylor's win. So I just wanted to reiterate that and shout out Hayden, Alabama. <laughs> you you got to hear the story on AD South one day. That, that was him and PJ North, and there might have been some liquid courage in there and, and AD just basically named himself said you know bj north don't mean anything to me i'm ad south so it was a, it was a really good really good time guys be sure to tell us what you think message us on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page we're not getting enough of that by the way y'all keep these uh, suggestions coming if you like what you hear and tell us if you don't like it tell us and we'll be sure to try to correct it for you or you can either or you can uh, at either luke or myself right there on the twitter Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Be sure to reach out to us. Thank you for listening. A lot of fun. Great show. And look forward to talking to you next week about all those newly crowned champions. See you guys. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. Today's broadcast is brought to you in part. It's not a broadcast, it's a podcast. Let's start that over. I can do better. Off to a good start. All right, guys. This is uh, definitely my favorite segment of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, and um, hopefully you all are enjoying it as well. It's time for JJ's Top 10, as we promised. And I want to make sure that everybody knows JJ's Top 10 is brought to you by Armed Forces Racing. The mission of Armed Forces Racing is to use drag racing as a tool to give veterans purpose and allow camaraderie that helps heal the body, mind, and spirit. Giving veterans... Unbelievable. Yeah, I messed that up. Okay. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.